Morning. Where are all the college students? My goodness, it must be fall break. <laughs> this is great. Welcome. Like Luke said, we're in the middle of a series. Uh, we're going through stuff Jesus never said. Even though church or culture uh, might have influenced into thinking he said these things, um, we're actually taking a look at the word and seeking to discover. We're searching for the truth. We're trying to find the real living Jesus and what he said. Um, who's right here with us right now, uh, who's not only, you know, up there, but he's with us today seeking to reveal himself to us. Um, and part of the reason I'm excited about this is um, because when, when, when we listen to what he said, um, it helps that side of us, you know, that side of us that doesn't really want to be out of touch, that, that doesn't want to be on the outside looking in, you know, that every, every now and then where you're like, man, like, I don't want to be the person who thinks he gets it but is the most lost of all, you know what I'm saying? And when we're, when we're looking at the real words of Jesus, it helps guard us from that, from just kind of not getting it. Um, but before we get into just really a, the beautiful and, and scary life that Jesus demands um, of anyone who dare call upon his wonderful name, I want to take you on a short, short trip through YOLO. That's the, that's the thing Jesus never said, YOLO. Right, in case you're under 30, uh, that's a saying that means you only live once, right? So what I want to do is I want to take you through a few, kind of the history of this phrase, YOLO, that's very commonplace now. Um, it didn't start with Drake in 2011, right? YOLO, you only live once, remember that album, the motto? Y'all are like, I'm not college students, no, I don't know that. Um, but that's Drake in his, in his album, the motto. Um, he, I mean, he put that phrase back on the map. Samuel L. Jackson, you might remember. What movie was that? Yes. Very good, young Casper. Pulp Fiction. And you, you got to love that. You got to love that hair. Where'd that hair go? Going back a little farther, you know all these shirts now going around? You know, the keep calm, YOLO. Hey, you only live once. Just keep calm. Everything's fine, right? Everything's fine. Keep calm. But if you go, a little, if you go back a little bit further, it's not just modern. It actually goes back further. You remember that back in 1937? You all remember that? You only live once. <laughs> and of course, if you want, um, you can go to Florida, and they have exclusive rights on yellow yogurt in Fort Lauderdale. If you want to go get that right now. YOLO ice cream. And, you know, I've been, I'm waiting for this last one because personally this makes me happy. I'm sorry if it doesn't make you happy. Um, we got Dwight. He's like, you only live once, what are you talking about? In some instances, paramedics may be able to revive the person so they may live to die once again. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, and obviously it goes back even further than that. The, this idea, you only live once, we might say it different ways, but it goes back to the beginning of time. Um, and can, I be, can I be real with you for a second? Um, for some of you, uh, the issue that Jesus is addressing it has the potential, the potential to reignite your spiritual life. Um, I'm not saying, hey, everything's going to be fine and easy after you hear this or anything like that. But the issue he's talking about, it's killing some of your spiritual life right now. And the worst part is you're blind to it. You don't even see it. And it's so basic to what the Christian faith is. And before you're, before you're like, wow, man, that guy, like, and it exposed me this week. <laughs> Wow, man, if I'm not careful, I, I just don't get this. This is intense. I am saying that Jesus might highlight some stuff 
that's buried so deep in our hearts um, that we don't even see the cancer is there. We don't see it anymore. It's been there for years. Now, I need help identifying that nastiness. And when we come together to worship God in spirit and truth, he does do that. And he will liberate us day by day by day by day to be able to see and savor and enjoy him. Um, but here's what I want to do real quick. YOLO, y'all know how YOLO is used. You only live once, right? And usually it's used in kind of this positive way. You know what I mean? Like people who are maybe they're, maybe they're out partying. Maybe they're excusing they're not doing their homework or their work. You know, they're, they're, we only live once, right? And we use it to what? To kind of excuse behavior that might not be the best, the best choice. After all, you only live once. And if you get authentic for half a second and you kind of peel the, the curtain back, um, YOLO, it actually, this is going to sound intense, but it actually represents one of the darkest systems of thought in human history. Which is weird because it sounds so positive, doesn't it? You only live once. But it's actually rooted in the system of thought called nihilism. All nihil means is nothing. Nothing. The whole point of this system of thought is that life has no meaning. How depressing is that? No purpose. Now, if you believe that, it's okay. Hopefully, I'll propose something better today. But in nihilism, there is no meaning in life outside of your personal desires. You only live for a short period of time. You might as well do what you want. After all, when you die, you're just going to turn to dirt anyway. Right? Christianity comes in and presents an explosive, wonderful, beautiful alternative to such a thought. And uh, just, just kind of on a side note, practically, in my day-to-day life, I mean, I'm on the UT campus every day, um, and so I'm constantly talking to people that, that don't embrace Christianity, you know what I mean? And we live in a culture where that's becoming more common. Um, and one of the most common, you know, objections and complaints is that uh, it doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't make sense. It's not plausible. Now, so one of the first things I do, and if you're skeptical today, I'm asking you that as well. Um, I'm asking you, um, take a look at your beliefs. Do they make sense? What I've found is, is that a lot of people, they're quick to point out you know, their, their problems with Christianity, but they're slow to notice the gaping hole in their beliefs. Uh, so today we're going to see how Christianity and the gospel of Christianity um, is much more, it makes much more sense it's positive. It's even happy. Uh, much more than YOLO. Some of you desperately need to hear this. I need to hear this. Right? But because it sounds, because YOLO, you only live once, because it sounds so positive, um, we, can, we can forget the deception, the superficiality, the depression. Did you know a lot of people who, who say this all the time? They might seem upbeat, but they're actually quite depressed. They're scared. They're dying for something more. How about you? They're spiritually homeless. They need a safe home. And, hey, how many of you guys grew up in the church? There's also kind of this vaguely spiritual, religious form of YOLO. Right? After all, if I invite Jesus into my heart, and the rest of my life I'm a pretty good person, then I'm going to heaven, right? So in this life, YOLO, you only live once. I don't really have to worry about, you know, being captivated by God and enjoying God and obeying God. You only live once. That's the scariest one of all. Whenever YOLO gets into Christian culture and Christianity is just kind of a safe environment to, 
fulfill your self-centered dreams. All right? But before we get into the text, um, I don't know about you, but have you, a lot of life I've noticed is, is awkward, right? How often does it come out of our mouth? You know, that's so awkward. That combo we just had, that's awkward. That person, it's awkward. That whatever, it's awkward. It's awkward. How often does this come out of our mouth? What I'm proposing, and then the text is talking about this, our fear of awkwardness is usually nothing more um, than a love of safety and comfort. That's usually what it is. It might sound nice, you know, oh, it's so, it's so awkward, it's so awkward. It might be that we're addicted to comfort and safety, and it's distorting how we see God. It's taken away from our joy. So let's listen to Jesus. This is one of the most to-the-point texts in the Bible, um, but it's quite, quite beautiful. So what I'm going to do is we're coming right into the middle of a conversation Jesus is having with his disciples, right? The people who are following him. This is before he went to the cross. And here's what's going on. He's starting to say things to his, to his nearest and dearest followers, and it's starting to mess with their minds. Picture this. If you want to be in the loop, you need to put yourself in this situation. Verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me. If you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Man, what a rough day if you're Peter. The one true God in human form just called you Satan. Man, that's tough. Those are some radical words, too. But if we want to understand that, we've got to actually back up just a tad bit more. Uh, This is right in the middle of a combo. Um, And remember what Jesus is doing. He's preparing his men for a lifetime of service. That's what he's doing. Okay? So, if you're Peter, if you're the disciples, this is, this is quite weird. Picture this. You've been, you've been interacting with this man, Jesus, for almost three years. You're seeing him do miracles left and right. You're seeing him preach with boldness. You're seeing him hint that he is God, not just some hippie in a dress. And, and, and you're growing in your love and trust and affection for him because you're starting to believe him. Oh, my gosh, what if this guy really is here to save and renew the entire world? What if he's here to do that? And what if he's here to save me? And, you're, and they're growing, more than likely, in their trust and affection. And then Jesus comes in. Picture this. And then Jesus comes in. And he says, oh, by the way, guys, I'm going to be handed over to the authorities unjustly, and then I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to die. If you're the disciples, you are literally about to have, more than likely, a mental breakdown. You don't know what's going on. Picture it, maybe a childhood hero, someone you look up to, and then all of a sudden they're telling you that they're going to be killed unjustly and that they can't do anything about it. They're geeking out more than likely. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time, 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 time out, Jesus. 
Maybe you haven't taken a nap in like eight days or something. Maybe you're not thinking straight. You're the king of glory. You're the chosen one. Remember, you're going to take over planet Earth and establish a kingdom where justice and peace reign. You're invincible. What are you talking about? What is wrong with you, Jesus? And Peter just says what everyone else is thinking. That's what I love about Peter so much. (laughs) He just says it. Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. You're not thinking straight. You're hallucinating. Let's go take a nap. Jesus, you've been working hard. Jesus says, no, 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 dear precious friend. No, 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 no. You are hallucinating. And he says, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now, that sounds really intense, but we're, we're right in the middle of a conversation here. Seriously, like two sentences before this, Jesus was praising Peter. Peter, because Peter has a bold childlike faith. And he praises Peter and tells Peter, I'm going to build my church on you, the rock. If you're Peter, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. First, you're, <laughs> you're going to build the church on me, and now you're calling me Satan. Like, whatever. <laughs> my self-esteem hurts. You know, like, what the heck? Um... But that rebuke to Peter came after Jesus expressed his love for him. And that really is the same rebuke for us today. And some of you really need to hear this. And I need to hear this day by day by day. Stop setting your mind on the things of man. Stop. It's killing you. So how do you know if you're setting your mind on the things of man? Well, one might be, If you're more concerned with your next text message, your next tweet, your next Netflix episode, and on the beautiful, glorious God King. Those things are great. They're fine. Don't don't hear me wrong. But whenever your Christianity has anything to do with comfort, with money, with power, a fast track to a stress-free life, to get the American dream, That's when our mind is on the things of man. When we're there, when you're there, you are the definition of immature. And the beautiful, scandalous cross of Jesus, it needs to pierce. It needs to get in there freshly. It needs to overwhelm you. You need to be more enamored with him than with comfort. And man, seriously, this is, this is intense stuff because don't we deal with this daily? Daily? We've got some work to do. I got some work to do. And just to, just to be clear, I want you all to look at me here right now. If awkwardness is controlling your day-to-day life, you are setting your mind on the things of man, and you're not safe. We need to remember over and over and over that the Christian life is not about my comfort, my delusional idea of a glorious, comfortable life, complete with, you know, the few kids, a two-story house, comfortable job security, retirement fund, perfect church attendance, perfect calm attendance. We need to remember this. God calls us to something more, far more stunning, far more wonderful. If we're not careful, we're just like the religious people back in the day. This is exactly what they thought. They thought the chosen one was going to come and immediately establish a kingdom where comfort and peace reign. 
And how often do we think that in the modern world? Immediately when I invite Jesus into my heart, my life is going to be easy, or at least pretty easy, or at least some point it's going to be easy. Some point in this life it's going to be easy, right? I mean, sure, it's going to be hard. There's going to be ups and downs. But eventually, God owes me in this life. Eventually, eventually he's going to give me something, right? Isn't he? Hopefully. I hope. Possibly. And Jesus is saying, no. Actually, if you go back to verse 20, he actually pretty much tells the disciples, hey, guys, I love you, so i got to tell you this. You have no business talking about me until you realize that the whole point of me coming is to die and to suffer. Until you get that, you're not talking about me. you got some growing up to do. You're immature. You're not, fo- you're not talking about me until you understand that following me involves seeing and savoring my death and living in my death. Right? It's so counterintuitive, I know. It's weird. So what are the things of God? It's like, how do I, okay, I get it. How do I get my mind on the things of God? How do I stop being so selfish? I mean, how do I live the Christian life that I see in this book, and yet there's so much of a gap between my life? How how does that happen? And the one-word summary of that is death. Verse 24. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. These words, guys, they don't translate to our modern ears. You know, deny, 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 deny yourself. Are we talking about some monk? Is that what I need to do? Do I need to go chill out in the middle of nowhere and just like deny myself all physical pleasure? Is that how I obey this text? You know what I'm saying? Jesus is telling us to die. Kill yourself. (laughs) Your flesh. Kill your flesh. What's the flesh? The flesh is that wicked part of us, of you, of me, that wants to live our life apart from Jesus' lordship. After you're saved. After you get to know him. There's that flesh there. Pastor Luke talked about this a little bit last week. If you don't know that, if you don't identify that, you're in danger. That there's a wicked part of you that wants to do what you want to do as long as it makes you happy. And Jesus is telling us the solution. I know this is like depressing and overwhelming. Die. Day by day by day. Die. But isn't that weird? Isn't that intense? (laughs) It's like, hey man, I, I, I haven't been to church in like three years. I've come here twice, and now you're telling me I've got to die. <laughs> you know, it's like, what are you talking about? It's, it's an intense message. It's a very intense message. But what if that's the secret? Legacy, will you do this with me? Let's look at our hearts. I think it's helpful for each of us to individually examine uh, the subtle tendency and temptation we have um, to, to redefine Christianity according to maybe our taste, our preferences, our church traditions, our cultural norms. Do you do this? You kind of pick and choose what you like about Jesus and his teachings, and you just kind of put to the side the stuff that you don't like. And in the process, 
don't you start to dilute what Jesus says about the cost of following him? But here's the good news. Here's the great news. Jesus comes into our life when we least expect it. And if you don't know him yet, he's coming. He's coming. He comes into your life when everything, everything revolved around yourself. Isn't it hard in our culture? Promoting myself, protecting myself, preserving myself, entertaining myself, comforting myself, taking care of myself. And then the one true king of beauty, justice, and peace comes in and he says, slay yourself. I don't care how much money you make. That's more evidence that you need to slay yourself. And get to know me, who, by the way, sustains every current dollar in the world. It's, it's, a, different, it's a different kind of thing. So, to be clear, I want to step back for a minute, just kind of a teaching moment. Um, the moment of our salvation, guys, the moment of our salvation, um, it doesn't happen when, you know, like at church camp or during an altar call when I said it with my mouth. You know what I'm saying? P.S. I'm, I'm not against church camp or altar calls or anything like that. Your salvation, your rescue, it doesn't happen when you say it with your mouth. I don't remember when it happened, but when it happens is, whenever it was, it's when in your heart of hearts, you died to every self-indulgent attempt to find life apart from God and every self-righteous attempt to try to earn his favor through your good works. That's when it happens. How many of you, you've never died? We die to ourselves, and then what? We trust in Jesus. We identify the one who lived the life we couldn't live, who died the death we couldn't die, and he rose. That's why Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. You know what Paul's saying? I've died. Legacy. Please look at me in the eyes real quick. I know this is hard and intense, but guys, if we don't emphasize the weight of the call to death in the gospel, we will never realize the wonders of life in the gospel. True life, pleasure, happiness, satisfaction. It's found in dying. Isn't that weird? Haven't we tasted it, though? Maybe those short bursts, those short seasons where we're dying. Help me, Lord. I don't get this. Hey, let's come up for air for a few minutes. I, uh, I, was, on, I was on WikiHow. You ever go to that website? Teaches you how to do basic things. I have to go there all the time because I'm, like, really stupid and I don't get basic things. <laughs> how to tie a tie. <laughs> 16 steps right there. So it not only gives you steps for, you know, real basic stuff. It's actually kind of funny. I was talking to someone about this. It also gives you steps for, like, the deepest stuff possible. <laughs> So in WikiHow, it gives you four steps for finding yourself. Hmm. I want to find myself. But for real, isn't that, but isn't that a longing we have, though? You know, I want to find myself. I mean, that's pretty important. I got to just, I mean, it's kind of <laughs> basic. 
But let's, let's, let's see what common wisdom is, and then let's contrast it with Jesus's. Step one to finding yourself. Wake your conscience. In other words, unleash the beast within. Just watch a Gatorade commercial, really. <laughs> that's, that's all you got to do. Step one, unleash that beast within. Actually, that was step two. Step one, you've got to find it first. You've got to look deeper and deeper and deeper into yourself. Before you unleash it, you've got to believe in yourself, right? You've got to believe in yourself. And then you unleash it. And step three, you've got to change your perspective because hard things are going to happen. But if you've found that beast within and you've unleashed that beast within, you can prepare for the hard things that come. And step four, right, this is it. Settle. Now that you've found your beast, unleashed your beast, and counted the cost, stay there. Believe in yourself and everything will be fine. So, I'm actually, I'm actually not trying to like, I mean, a lot of people believe this. I want to be sensitive to them. Um, seriously. Um, but Jesus comes in and it's different. He says, the last thing you ever need to do is look into yourself. Nothing good is there. Ever. (laughs) Because I'm not in there. It's just you. It's lonely. Jesus' steps are a little bit easier. Although, in the day-to-day grind in this life, it's very hard. Step one with Jesus from the text Forget about yourself for a hot second. Forget about yourself. Forget about how awkward you're going to look. Forget about how uncomfortable it's going to be. Forget about it. Look at me. Look at me. Man, and that's where life is found. Life is found in forgetting about yourself. Seeing Jesus and all his awesomeness. It's not easy. Life is found in daily, hourly, minutely dying to ourselves and trusting in our wonderful King in His death. And when you do that, guys, when you do that, when you trust in Jesus, that's where the power's at. When you get over yourself and trust in Jesus, that's where the power's at. God's infinite ability is now at work in you. And Almighty God, this is why we came to Knoxville. This is why we're here. He specializes in taking the poorest of beggars, the dirtiest of prostitutes. And that includes you, friends, who are in sexual sin. The fakest of hypocrites, He specializes in taking them and making them alive and lovely and wonderful in his sight. That's why we're here, to to spread this message. The things of God, when we set our mind on the things of God, it turns the world upside down. Or really, it it turns it right side up, is what it does. The kingdom of God is an alternate, beautiful society where justice and peace reign, and we the people get to be a taste of that to an onlooking world. 
Are you doing that? A few ground level things. Because I want to I just push how different the kingdom of God is to the kingdom of self. And when I was doing this this week, it, it, it's hard, but I think this is how we grow. <clears throat> Anyone here who is comfortable and you're not serving others, let me remind you, the only people who live are those who die to their comfort and their self-absorption. Those are the only ones who live. And we're not going to understand this. It's impossible to understand this until we see Jesus' bloody death. We can't just get our act together and start serving others. We've got to see the one who served us. It's got to light us up. It's got to electrocute us. It's got to dig down deep. He loves you so much. Why are you so hard of heart? Own it. Possess it. Internalize it. It's yours. Anyone here with a good job, anyone here who either makes a good amount of money or who their life goal is to make a lot of money, first of all, that's a wonderful thing, assuming your heart's in the right place because you can share it with a lot of people. Um, But let me remind you, the only people who are rich in the kingdom of God are those who day by day by day say, I am poor. I am helpless. I need you. I need your death to cover me and empower me. And that includes you, college students. There's not going to be a day where you have enough money and life is comfortable. (laughs) Ask anyone around you. Students, anyone interested in learning? Let's remember, in the kingdom of God, the only people who are wise, the only people who are wise are those who say, I'm foolish. I don't get it. Are you delusional? Do you think you're smart? I do sometimes. And we're never going to understand this until we see Jesus, his death, his death. He's being obliterated on that cross for us. He's being crushed. And most relevant for today, friends, this is like the most, this is the most relevant thing. The only person who will ever find himself is the person who loses himself. You forget about yourself. You forget about your comfort. And you say with a desperate plea to Almighty God, It's not about me. It's not about myself. It's not about discovering myself. It's not about finding myself, creating myself. The last thing I need to do is think about self. Let's die to ourselves. Let's die to ourselves and live in Jesus. But here's what happens. Guys, look here. If you skip dying and you go straight to life in Christ, if you just invite Jesus into your heart, right? If you skip the dying part, that's going to be a disaster. I want to save you from that. Because if you never died to yourself, you'll always be expecting Jesus to be your cosmic Santa Claus who gives you your every whim and desire. You never died. 
And now you're expecting him to give you what you want. When you die to yourself first, you don't put conditions on God. You don't put conditions on the relationship. Does that make sense? Your life, your life is a blank check. You own me. You possess me. You're my master. Do what you want with me. Take me. I live in your death. I want to start the process of closing like this. Let me talk to Christians here for a second, guys. This is real ground level. Christian, some of you are going through some tough times. You're going through some terrible times, and it stinks because you have to act like everything's fine and smile and all that. You're going through some tough times. Troubles, crosses. You're, you have crosses in your day-to-day life, and there's not any that are too small, right? It's not like, hey, this is a cross, and you've got crosses that you're dealing with. And I say this with the utmost of sensitivity flowing out of the text here. Those of you who are going through tough times. What are you doing about it? Let's listen to Jesus. You are to look at your cross in light of his cross. I'll suggest two ways. I'm going to suggest two ways to look at the cross. First of all, his cross challenges your wisdom. You know how your heart right now, you know how it's saying, man, God, you've let me down. God, you're not involved in this. You know that when our heart starts saying that? The cross says to your heart, you're being stupid. God's not going to let you down. He loves you deeply. These things you're going through, Jesus went through all of this and more. He can empathize with you. He lost his job. He lost all his money. He was stripped naked. He lost all his friends. He was abandoned. He suffered. He died. When you look at him and say, God... You couldn't be doing anything good in my life right now. His cross challenges that wisdom. His cross says, why not? I need to hear this. Guys, at the worst moment in human history, God dying on a cross, he turned that into the best moment in human history. The moment whereby he would save mankind and renew the entire world. He didn't have an anxiety attack. He knew what was going on. Second way I'll suggest, the cross also challenges your fears. Because the other thing your heart is saying, besides God's going to let me down, is, oh, you're a fool. You're a jerk, self. Self, you're a fool. You're a jerk. You're a sinner. You're terrible. Doesn't doesn't our heart say that all the time? The cross challenges that wisdom. Jesus challenges that wisdom. Jesus says, stop calling my father a liar. My father emptied heaven of its most prized possession. Me for you. You just don't believe it. Dearly beloved, why do you have so little faith in God? And so much faith in those negative thoughts running through your head. Why? Why? Why do I do that? I'm probably the worst. Cheer up, oh my soul. 
Father God gave his son in exchange for you. He's not going to give up on you. Christian friends, let's look at what our cross says in light of the big cross. That's how the kingdom of God moves forward. It moves forward as we're dying to ourselves and living in Jesus. Don't be immature anymore, Christian. Don't. Secondly, those of you who might be skeptical, maybe you're seeking, here's my suggestion. Don't you dare walk out of here saying, well, I guess I'm going to get involved in Christianity as long as it you know, gives me protection, it helps me achieve my dreams. Don't you dare do that. Jesus Christ looks at you and says, your fondest dreams? I'll give you something infinitely better. I'll give you me, your God, your King. Lose your life. A few, a few ground-level applications. Those of you who are writer-downers, you might want to write this down. <clears throat> As we're seeing Jesus and his death, here's a personal application, guys, if you want to absorb this and, and internalize it and live it. We need to preach the gospel of death boldly to our hearts and our negative thoughts. Luke talked about it a little bit last week. Gospel violence is what some people call it. Don't be scared. Don't be scared to declare war on those thoughts, on those desires. In fact, I'd be scared if you haven't declared war on it. We see it all throughout the scriptures. Crucify your flesh. Mortify your flesh. Slay your flesh. Die to your flesh. Preach the gospel of death, how Jesus died for you. Do it boldly. Secondly, a little uh, communal application here. Guys, and I'm serious, like, <laughs> get other brothers and sisters who will do this with you. They're your family. They're your brothers and sisters. If you're not doing this, you're forfeiting joy. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. And those of you who are already doing it with brothers and sisters, I want to challenge you to assess whether or not, when you all get together, whether you're really declaring war on the sins. Or if it's basically just like a wine fest. What I'm saying is we need to declare war on safe Christianity. As we earnestly desire the dangerous gospel of death. There might be a few people who don't like us, who don't think we're, they might think we're weird, and they might think we're kind of strange. But a lot of people will be attracted to it. But even if they're not, I guess it's better to forfeit a couple relationships than our soul. And lastly, I have a quick missional application as we're doing life together on mission to this wonderful city of Knoxville. It really doesn't matter how vibrant your personal relationship is with God or how involved you are in community. It doesn't matter if this stunning gospel of unending, unquenchable (laughs) grace, if it's not leading you to boldly and sensitively reach out to non-believers, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter how good that other stuff's going. You're suffocating in I'm scared of awkwardness Christianity. That's not a good place to be. Turn to God freshly. See him. Savor him. Be with him together on mission. 
It's not a social club, though we have a lot of good times, right? We party pretty good at Legacy, don't we? But the primary way God advances his kingdom is through suffering. What better example than the cross? Lastly, we no longer have to embrace awkwardness. I just said that completely wrong. We no longer have to fear awkwardness. (laughs) Now that we're in Christ and we have his blood running through our veins, we can actually embrace awkward, unsafe situations because we trust that Jesus works primarily through those awkward, unsafe situations. Doesn't he? Do you believe him? As we're suffering, as we're in the awkward, his kingdom advances. It's true, man, it's true. You only live once. You only live once. But Jesus comes at it from a radically different angle. Instead of the reality that we only live once leading us to risky, ungodly behavior, we let the reality that we only live once lead us to a risky, bold faith for other people's joy. 